I'm going to make a deal with you today. The message will be not a long one, but you have to listen. Because I don't want you to say, well, Pastor Joe said we can do X, Y, and Z, which seems really contrary to what the Scriptures say, because ultimately, Pastor Joe is not going to say that. So you've got to listen to what I'm going to say. Otherwise, you'll go and misquote me or come up and, and want to challenge the message. So, short, but stay, stay tuned. We're taking a look at the second two of what we call the Ten Commandments. Last time we took a look at how that we're not to have any other gods before the Lord our God, and that we're not to create any idols. The next two continues on with our relationship with God and how we worship Him and treat Him and consider Him. And so in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. A very short prescription, you're not allowed to do this. You're not to take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, before I continue on with that, when Jesus taught his disciples and us how to pray, as a part of that, he kind of gave the positive, if you will, of this. And in that, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus is saying that God's name, the Lord's name, is holy, to be considered hallowed, to be considered special, to be set, considered set apart. And so the commandment is not to take the Lord's name in vain. Jesus' statement as we pray to God to understand that His name is holy, that it is set apart, that it is special, that it is hallowed. And oftentimes, quite frankly, we don't treat it that way. We kind of treat the Lord's name casually at best. Now, for generations, for thousands of years, and even to today, what people consider this to mean is, is that you're not supposed to swear with God's name in it. And that that's somehow what the Scriptures are telling us not to do. And so I'm, I, I'm not going to swear in front of you, um, and I'm but I'm going to let you know, obviously, the words that we're talking about. What's funny is in my, my father's time, which was considerably before y'all, because um, he was born in 1886, he didn't like substitute words. So the, the words that everybody thinks is that this scripture prohibits, people will say like, gosh darn or gee whiz, or whatever. And we use those substitutes so that we can say something and not use the banned phrase. Well, my dad didn't like that. He says using substitutes were just the same thing as using the same. So he kind of told my mom and our family, don't do that. Uh, and every time I think of not using that word that we substitute for gosh darn was a former member who's now gone to be with the Lord. 
And this person used the phrase in a sentence that I never would have expected to hear together. And he, after a message that I had given, came up to me and said, GD, Pastor, that was a great message. I'm not sure if that kind of violated the Scriptures or not, but he was so excited, and that's kind of who he was, that that was his expression. And so I try not to look shocked and just said, well, thank you very much and, and whatever. But, but you notice, and this is where you need to listen, the prescription is, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. You're not to treat it worthless. Not to, some would translate it, if you will, you are not to misuse the name of the Lord. So if that helps you in understanding, you're not to misuse the name of the Lord. Now, this is where I could get in trouble. God is not His name. I am a husband. I'm a father. I was a brother. I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm a number of things that you can say I am X. But that's not my name. God is God. That is a description of who He is. But that's not His name. He gave a particular name to Moses when Moses said, how is it that they're going to know that, it's, that you sent me? Who should I say sent me? And he gave his name. Now, I'm not telling you that you can go off and use the GD comments and say, well, Pastor Joe said that this isn't violating the commandments because the Scriptures also tell us that we're not to use coarse language. And that's coarse language. So even though it may not, quote-unquote, fit the technical requirements of this, I'm not giving you permission. I'm just saying, think more deeply about what it means to not take the Lord's name in vain. And this is how I want to kind of apply it to today's world. We are told in the Scriptures that if we ask for things, that we're to do it in the name of of Jesus. And oftentimes, just as a matter of route, a matter of rote, we just kind of think, okay, how do I end this prayer? Well, we say, well, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's kind of taking it in misuse. You're just, I don't know how else to close this. I heard a bunch of other spiritual people say it, and it's even in the Bible. So I'm just going to say, in Jesus' name, amen. Or sometimes, less mature Christians than us will close their, their prayer in the name of Jesus because they view it like a little um, magic lamp. That if you rub the magic lamp, a genie will come and give you three wishes. Well, if you say, in Jesus' name, that's a magical way of getting what you want. That's wrong. That is using the name of our God in vain. Or, because Jesus has told us in this, even in the prayer that He taught us, may your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. And so many times when we pray in Jesus' name, we are trying to command God to do our will rather than His. And that's taking the Lord's name in vain. We should be using His name when it suits His purposes and it advances His kingdom, not our own agenda. Now certainly, we can pray to God and say, God, this is what I want. And He wants us to do that. Perfect example, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane says, Lord, if it's possible, God, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. That was His request. That's what He wanted. That was, on his, that was the burden of His heart. And sometimes we have that same type of burden. God, this is what I want. But He followed it up with, nevertheless, Your will be done. And so when we come to those times of, of anxiety or or, or whatever, it's perfectly fine to say, God, this is what I want. But your will be done. Because I am not going to use and misuse the name of Jesus for my own agenda. I'm not going to use His name like a credit card and go shopping all over the place getting the things that I want because it is His name. It is His blood. It is His payment so that I am going to take the name of God, even Jesus, as hallowed. Now again, in our society, they don't use the name of Jesus in a very holy way. As a matter of fact, it's probably one of the most common uses of cursing is to use Jesus Christ's name in vain. So while we get so perturbed about using GD, we think nothing of saying Jesus Christ as if it had little or no value. So since the Lord Jesus Christ is our God, we should not take His name in vain either. I've heard it once said, and I think the concept is accurate, and, and here I think when, when you look at the, the translation, it probably does more reflect speaking than it does, but I also think we should consider taking God's name in vain when we proclaim to be followers of His and our actions do not show it. That our lifestyle, that who we are and what we reflect seems to counter what we profess and that in essence our actions takes His name in vain. The second prescription that we are told in so the fourth command or as it's often said, the fourth word is in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. It says, Remember the Sabbath day. Now I want to stop there. It says, Remember the Sabbath day. Now, when we look at that, oftentimes we can say, Okay, I'm supposed to recall it. 
But I want you to think about it in this way. A lot of us, when we sing certain songs or we'll read in the Scripture, especially the Old Testament, it'll say, and God remembered X. God remembered His people. Or God whatever. And we use remember. And there's even a song that we sing that it says, God remember your people. God remember your promises. And, and my initial reaction when I first started listening, hearing that was, but God doesn't forget. So why should I tell God to remember? But the scriptures say that God remembers. So what's going on there? It means that God, it's not that, oh, I forgot and now I remember. It's now I'm going to take action. So when we are told, remember the Sabbath, it is not to say, oh yeah, I remember it, and go on. It's a time for us to then take action. So remember the Sabbath day. What's the action? To keep it holy. To keep it separated, to keep it set apart, to make it different from the other days. That's the call to action. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. And you shall, in it you shall, do, you shall not do any work. You are your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He separated it. So the prescription here isn't, okay, you take the day off, but your employees or your servants or your family, they work instead. No, everyone in your household, whether they're servants or family members, are to be given that day of rest so that they might remember and take action that this day is holy. And he's saying, I gave you six days to get your work done. God said, I, everything that you see, all the universe, all that is there, I did in six days. And I took a day off. Are you superior to me? God is teaching us something that there is almost something required in the way that we have been created. Because let's face it, a lot of people are busy just to be busy. So that they don't have to contemplate their soul or what God requires them or even if there is a God. Because they just stay busy. And I will tell you, I've always been unimpressed with a person who is a workaholic. And the reason why I've been unimpressed with a person who is an alcoholic is a workaholic is because the people I have observed who have been workaholics usually mess around for most of the day. And then when they're supposed to go home, they then decide to do work and say, oh, I can't go home because I'm so busy. Well, if they got their work done in the first eight hours instead of messing around, they probably could have gone home and then been the father or the mother or the brother, or the sister, whoever it is that they might need. But it's funny. When it comes to the traditions of men, 
we place all kinds of burdens on this if we observe it at all. The Jews did that. They, they said, oh, there's all these rules and regulations related to you're supposed to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. One of the prescriptions is that you couldn't travel very far. There's only a set distance that you could travel. And if you did further than that, you violated the Scriptures. And that was what's called, and you'll see in the Scriptures sometimes, it was a Sabbath day journey. It meant that it wasn't a long one. It was, what, it was all that was allowed to go on the Sabbath day. Now, notice, unless your job is like you're a, post, you're a postman and you've got to deliver the mail, most of us don't have a job that requires you to walk. So how is walking violating the Scriptures? Maybe your mother-in-law lives further than a Sabbath day journey. That's a great reason not to go visit her. She lives too far. We come up with all these rules and regulations. And that's what had happened. You could do certain things, but you couldn't do certain things. And Jesus with his disciples, and we find this in Mark chapter 2, verses 21, 27 and 28. And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. And the Pharisees saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read that what David did when he was in need, and he and his companions became hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests? And he also gave it to those who were with him. You know, David, the one that you are waiting for to be the ultimate Messiah? He didn't. And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus says, my companions can do whatever I direct them to do because I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the one who gives rest. I'm the one who expresses that. But he goes, the Sabbath wasn't made so that it might, you might worship the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made so that you might be able to re, reconnect, to recharge, to become profitable again. The, the setting aside of the time of working is not just to make the holy day a holy day, but it's to allow you to do the things that you ought to be doing, like worshiping God, reading His Word, considering who He is, doing those times, to do things that are different from what you ordinarily do. It's not something done because it's what God just decided to do. God said, well, I want you to take off on the sixth, the seventh day because I want you to take off on the seventh day. He said, I made it so that you might understand and benefit from it. In today's world, there is argument, you know, there are certain churches that, that they worship on the Sabbath, they worship on Saturday. They follow somewhat the law and say, well, the Sabbath is that, that seventh day, and so we're just going to worship on the Sabbath. Other people, and most of, most of Christian denominations, worship on Sunday. 
The reason we worship on Sunday is because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday and the church came and met on Sundays to, uh, to worship. Also, initially the church was made up of mostly of Jews. So they went to synagogue. But the synagogues weren't praising the Lord for resurrecting Jesus. So they had to do it on Sunday. So they kind of spent two days doing those types of things until the church became pretty much Gentile-oriented. The important thing is not which day you pick to make holy. It's not it's got to be a Saturday or it's got to be a Sunday. But the command is take a day to make sure that it's holy. Now, That doesn't mean that you just take off and do nothing. Because for instance, the priests had to do service on the Sabbath. They still offered sacrifices. They still did what they had to do. On the Sabbath day, the people would come to the synagogues and places and read the scriptures and discuss them and worship the Lord. Those things were what you would do on the Sabbath. And since a few weeks ago we talked about that God has called us to be a kingdom of priests, doesn't mean, okay, I get to stay home on Sunday, which we use as the Sabbath. No, you are there to be ministers. Jesus said, is it lawful if an ox falls into a ditch? on the Sabbath to get it out. And they made exceptions for that, and they kind of, yeah. It's not unlawful to do good. So the Sabbath days aren't a day to just kind of ignore everyone. The Sabbath days are days to consider who God is, to worship Him, to know Him better, and to do good and to minister to Him. But the commands, if you will, are not the ultimate. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 says this, So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his work as God did from his. There is a shadow. And we're going to see that in the next verse. But what God is doing is saying, I want you to rest because I want you to understand ultimately what I want you to do is see striving to be righteous and accept the grace of God. Rest in my grace. And so what God is trying to do in the commands is say, Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. But Jesus has worked all for you and has presented your salvation complete. It is finished. Rest in Him. Jesus is our Sabbath. So Colossians 2, 16 and 15 uh, says this. Therefore, 
No one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath day. He's saying, he didn't say you're not the judge because guess what? He knows people judge. What I do is the right thing. And you know that's true. Take music. Whatever music that it is that you like to worship the Lord, you think that's the one that God most likes. If you like country western, then you think the country western style of worship, you know, we have cowboy churches, and there's nothing wrong with cowboy churches, except I'm not a cowboy. But people like that kind of music, and they feel comfortable, and they like to be with other people who like that kind of music, and they think, therefore, God must like that kind of music. Other people like the hymns, nothing wrong with the hymns, we've been using them for hundreds of years. People kind of think, well, God likes that. Other people think rap's the way to go, and God's impressed with rap, and we do whatever. We Baptists will never be too good at rap because we can't even clap on time, let alone whatever. And then the rest of us kind of like pop kind of music, and so what's kind of popular on the radio is kind of the Christian music that we like, and we're kind of um, impressed, and we think God likes that music. I suspect we're all going to be surprised when we get to heaven and what we actually do sing. My brother one time said, you know, kind of can't, when I go to heaven, I'm looking forward to that because he could not sing very well. Uh, no one in our family had great musical talent. Uh, I probably have the most and I have very little. Uh, my mother had, she sang falsetto, you know, really high pitch, maybe two, two notes. My, my brother kind of had, he didn't sing falsetto, but he had maybe a two, three note repertoire. And, and his statement was, well, when I get to heaven, I'll be able to sing well to, to God. And I said, you know, David, it seems that God has given more people your talent than musical talent. Maybe he likes off-pitch falsetto kind of music. Maybe when we all get there, we're all going to sing monotone. Because it's not what we like, it's what he likes. My wife's birthday's tomorrow. I went to the store the other day to buy her card. And I found one that started out really great. It's to my wife and whatever. And I started reading it. And it was, I love you. You allow me to be the man I am. You allow me to have my dreams. You never judge me and whatever. And it was this long card. And it was all I, I, I. And I almost got it so that I could write it. But it's not about me. But I didn't get that card because that card was about me. It was about how she made me as opposed to the fact that I'm glad it's her birthday. But that's kind of how we're with God. It's what I am, therefore God must like it. No. People judge, but don't accept their judgment. As someone once said, somebody else's opinion of you is none of your business. So, if they think you ought to worship on Saturday and you worship on Sunday, eh, 
none of your business. If you have to work on a Sunday, and so you set aside Monday to worship the Lord and to read and to do whatever, and eh, none of your business. But all of us should be setting aside an opportunity to make one day holy. To make one day that we worship God, that we can reflect and consider what it is that He wants of us and how He has blessed us and how He has allowed us this rest. And to do good. Because all of these things, the the festivals, the Sabbath, what we eat, what we don't eat, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. If you worship the Lord with hymns, wonderful, because you're worshiping the Lord with hymns. If you're worshiping the Lord in cowboy music, wonderful, because you're worshiping the Lord with cowboy music. But it should be about Him, not you. And you should want to do things for Him. So that, if you will, by remembering the Sabbath, and keeping it holy, you don't take the Lord's name in vain. That you worship Him because He's worthy of it. You worship Him because of who He is. And that we don't make rules and regulations to prohibit things, but to understand what the purpose is. And the purpose is to understand that the setting aside of days is to understand that Jesus has set aside the necessity for us to work for our salvation because He's given it to us by grace through faith. In a moment, the band is going to come, and actually they're going to come now, and we're going to sing a song called 10,000 Reasons. There are certainly more than 10,000 reasons to worship the Lord our God. There's more than 10,000 reasons to praise Him. There's more than 10,000 reasons to set aside a day to say, thank you, God, for saving my soul. Thank you, God, for making me whole. Thank you, God, for giving me thy great salvation so rich and so free. And when we are so busy being busy, we miss the opportunity to see who He is and what He does. And in that, just as the Sabbath was not made that man might be, but that man might appreciate the Sabbath, it gives us the opportunity to appreciate who he is.